please welcome in our new sponsor, Fight Camp. Let's be honest, we could all use a little bit more motivation when it comes to working out. Allow me to introduce you to Fight Camp. Fight Camp is an interactive at-home boxing. They bring the best workout in the world into your home and they make it fun. You can explore thousands of workouts led by expert trainers with decades of experience teaching proper boxing form and technique. Fight Camp has live punch counting stats that motivate you by counting each punch throughout your workout and pushing you to meet goals each round. As you progress, you'll unlock achievements and you can go head to head against other members, whether they're across the country or even across your living room. Man, that would be fun to challenge uh, a friend or a brother or a sister and you have some live action rounds going here like I could land more punches than you and so on. So, I mean, it just sounds like so much fun with Fight Camp because they have that versus mode and that is so cool. So make it a little challenge amongst yourselves. So one of the best things about Fight Camp is that it makes boxing accessible to everyone, no matter what fitness level you're at, what age you're at, or what experience of boxing you have. It doesn't matter, you could do it. And you're gonna have a great time as well. So join the biggest boxing community in the world without leaving your home. Fight Camp packages start at just $99. They even offer some great financing options so you can get started for as low as $9 a month. To get everything you need, go to fightcamp.com slash two-man to learn more. That's fightcamp.com slash two-man, T-W-O-M-A-N. So that's right, folks. Go to fightcamp.com slash two-man and get all the motivation you need to start working out today. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay.
Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Pause. With me today is a very special guest, somebody I've wanted to get on for a very, very long time. He's, of course, a musician, a composer, a songwriter, the legendary WWE entrance theme creator, Mr. Jim Johnson. Jim, welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Thank you, John, for having me. It's good to be here today. What is going on in your world? Like, What have you been up to? Um... A, a lot of different things. Um, when you do something for 32 years, it's uh, it's interesting transitioning out of it because uh, human beings tend to be creatures of habit, whether you want to or not. And if you're getting up every day and uh, doing the same thing for 32 years, it it takes a while to get out of the habits you've created. So that was, I mean, it wasn't shocking at all, but uh, it was attention getting the, the impact of, of making it a, a huge shift in your life, a right angle turn in your life. So, uh, but I'm here in my studio. I've never left my studio. Uh, I write music every day. Um, I have largely been just taking time to uh, work on music that I've wanted to work on for so long, but I never had time because the whole thing, when I was with the W, when I was at WWE, it was a beyond a 24 seven job. It was consuming 365 days a year. Because, uh, as I'm sure, you know, there, you know, other than the news, it's really the only TV entity that, uh, doesn't have an off season. It just, it just keeps going. You know, the day after WrestleMania always tended to be busier than WrestleMania because storylines change and people yep. change and, you know, guys who were in a tag team are now individuals and they need new music and new costuming, new vignettes. And so it's, uh, so you just get to a, a never stopping thing. So it's it's been absolutely great to get back to um, being able to come into the studio and work on whatever I want to work on and not be, uh, this is my current 20 long to-do list that's due tomorrow afternoon. When you were there and the 32 years is over, is that one of the things that you wanted to part ways or they, they wanted to part? Like, how did that all kind of happen with, because like you said, 32, I mean, that's a long time there, yeah. three decades. Um, yeah, it uh, for about the last four or five years I was there, things got really uh, political in a, in a bad way. Um, and uh, which in a bad way. Um, and finally things just degraded and, uh, Vince didn't, Vince fired me basically. I mean, you know, he put it in terms of, I'm not renewing your contract, but that's what it means. Felt like so many guys that were there, like you were there for so long, like Tony Chimmel, Mike Chioda, Steve Lombardi. It was weird. It's like all those guys of 30 plus years, all of a sudden, gone you know it's it definitely i mean it's got to be a not a shocker but i mean it's a culture change for sure 
Yeah, in my case, uh, referencing those last bad years, by the time it actually happened, uh, you know, I knew it was coming and I was looking forward to moving on. It was, I'd actually been looking forward to moving on for a long time. But um, hindsight, I wish I had had the uh, foresight or really courage to just leave. But um, the force of habit just keeps you rolling. When you're in the studio now, what kind of music are you writing? All over the map. Songs, uh, orchestral stuff. Really love orchestral stuff. It's because it's so broad and uh, I don't know, just just appeals to me. But of course, a lot of the stuff I did while at WWE was hybrid orchestral rock stuff and. Um, it's interesting when I always, when I tell people what I do or did, uh, they immediately associate it with heavy metal music. And interestingly, heavy metal is I, uh, one of the genres I did the least when I was there. If you think about entrance themes there, or at least the ones I did, it was not, not too much heavy metal really. You know, you'd no, hear heavy metal in the in library music that was used for promos and stuff like that. But um, it's interesting that pro wrestling had such an association with that. And yet there really wasn't actually a whole lot of that kind of music in the product. Really? Only Ultimate Warrior that I can think of off the top of my head that was like a kind of like a heavy metal kind of song. I guess, but... But even that wasn't wasn't that heavy, really. It was uh, no. it was very frenetic and uh, pounding, um, but it was you know it was very far from a Metallica track, something. But yeah. but you're right. You know, at least it's 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 kind of in that ballpark. When I think of you, and I think of like that theme. I, in my head, it's like, how can you, it's almost like genius level stuff. Like, how do you look at the warrior, see him and then go, this would be his theme song because everyone in their mind, when they think of him, that's the song that they would think of, but they wouldn't know how to create it, write it, think of it up, you know, put it together, compose it, you know, they wouldn't be able to do it. So it's like, it's like genius level stuff. It's like, oh my God, like bump. And like, that's how he runs to the ring. That's how he walks. That's how he shakes the ropes. It, like, how do you come up with that? I think you just answered the question for yourself. It, it's <laughs> you look at the guy and it's, you know, he's like this on the ropes and he's running full tilt like this and he's moving like this. And so how does that translate to music? You know, just something, a, a frenetic pulse. And uh, I think I literally picked up a guitar and just started dun, 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 started with that and the rest, it's interesting, John, when you, when I, at least, um, it's, you ask, how did I think about it? You know, how did I come up with that? From my perspective, it's not really coming up with it. It's sort of an 
some sort of bizarre, it's, I guess it's as much a mystery to me as it might be to you in that it just sort of, uh, it's much more organic than that. You know, you mess around with stuff and you, with a, a beat or a rhythm or a guitar or I'll sit down at the piano and you just play. And particularly when I'd sit down at the piano, I would say 80% of the time that I would sit down to write something for person A, I would get an idea for person B. Or be like, oh, well, wait a second. That, that, I like that. that. And that's literally the reaction. I'll be playing and it's almost like you were playing for me. And I said, like, oh, whoa, wait, wait. John, I like that. Go, go back to what you were just playing. I like that. We, we could use that for this guy. Um, so it's, there's a certain uh, out-of-body experience to the whole creative process that's, that's certainly beyond my understanding because stuff just really seems to arrive it's weird, right? Because to me, like Warrior, like as soon as you hear that song, as just as a fan, immediately your reaction is, I'm, I'm standing up, I'm cheering for this guy, just because it's like bump. And then like you immediately get like shooken in. So I'm not that musically inclined. So I'm just thinking to myself, but man, that's crazy. Like you actually captured the guy. And, and like it's true to life, that's the theme song. You actually captured him through a theme. It's crazy to me. It is sometimes. And a lot of times, hindsight, I have the same reaction. I'll, I'll listen and watch someone come to the ring, and I, you know, I see that it obviously works really well. And but I have no recollection of saying like, "Oh, you know, he's very uh, frenetic, and uh, you know, he kind of moves at this tempo." Let me see. That's it's 105 beats per minute. So we probably want to, you know, it's not nearly so analytical. It, it's just pure emotion. And, and the, I think the best things I ever have written are always that the, the more it's just um, that you get the analysis out of the way and just write music, just let it kind of let it find it. It's, it's almost like a faith issue. You have to sit down at the piano or pick up the guitar and you keep playing. And if you'll stick with the process and be faithful and not get up and get bored and walk away, something's going to show up. And it might not even be what you were looking for. Um, it, you know, as I said, sometimes it's, you get an idea for somebody else or I guess, you know, I guess I have something in my mind a, a little bit when I sit down in the first place. I guess there's some reason why I would pick up a guitar versus sit down at the piano. But a lot of times I start over here, but end up over here. And I realize that this was wrong and like this really works for the guy. Do you have to? Like for Ultimate Warrior, for instance, like, do you have to watch him, watch him wrestle? Do you have to see him in the back? No, he, like, watching, people, watching people wrestle has never helped me in the least. Because it's watching the way they, uh, 
one of the biggest helps to me is watching them walk. Um, there's a there's a tempo to how everybody walks, and there's a tempo to how everyone speaks. And if you get tuned into that, uh, particularly in the pro wrestling world or or just you know Hollywood entertainment world, there's there's a tempo to a person and it's not just the speed at which they walk. It's, you know, do they walk with kind of their arms by their side still, or are they, you know, always kind of moving and, um, you know, a guy like, uh, George Clooney is like a really cool guy, doesn't make fast moves. He's always well-dressed, very smooth, very smooth tempo. And, uh, you know, a, a guy like Jim Carrey, you know, he walks in and he's, you know, he's moving around and yep. he's, his, his arms are going, you know, he's a lot of different facial expressions constantly. It's a very different tempo. And that's, I think, one of the, the the biggest clues for me. It's just sort of watching the person stand there, just getting a feeling. And then when you get really overt signs on top of that, in particular, and uh, certainly Warrior is a great example of that, because once the <laughs> once the starting gate is opened, you know, he blows out of down the ramp like a cannon shot him so yeah um i don't know it it like a lot of things in life if you just take the time to observe the sort of the answer reveals itself pretty quickly so did you like watch a lot of wrestling or maybe watch them backstage or did you watch promos never. like i no, get never. it i get i get a no, I've never been a fan in the least. And um, and I think that really helped because, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't a Mark kind of guy who just such an adoring fan. I think that would really skew your take on the characters because it it's... Uh, you know, it'd be like hiring someone who is a complete astronomy, interplanetary, UFO, crazy person to write the score for E.T. You know, they're, they're going to be too involved with their love of E.T. and the story to, to stand back here and and be thinking about what's the right music for this because there are a lot of different ways of approaching music a, a lot of music can come from two places we we watch it and hopefully it makes sense whether it be an entrance theme or a film score but there are two sources the music can be Sometimes it's it's the guy's music. It's it's 
it's coming from the screen to us. And a lot of times the score is us. It's, it's talking about our feelings and scoring our, how we're thinking about the storyline and the characters in the story. So those are things that all have to be taken into account is, is who's the music for here? You know, like in, in Warrior's theme, clearly Warrior's theme is Warrior's theme. But even something like um, Stone Cold's theme. Yeah, it's Steve's theme. He's, you know, that, that theme says, I'm here to kick ass. But it also says for us, it's, it's like a team thing. It's like, we're here to watch Steve come and kick ass. Um, so it's, it's like our theme with Steve. Um, Warriors theme is, doesn't feel like that. It's, it's we're watching him. With Steve Austin too. That's another theme. Just awesome. Because even last year, I mean, he, he wrestled last year for WrestleMania. He was the main event of night one. Yeah. As, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. even know that. Yeah, he so he was wasn't quote unquote wasn't, wasn't supposed to. Then the guy Kevin Owens egged him on, egged him on, and and he ended up wrestling, um, oh. really to really to promote his new beer that came out because he was drinking it like crazy. Right. Oh, but oh yeah, then oh yeah. So I, obviously you're not a fan, you wouldn't have known that. But yeah, he came back. But as soon as the glass breaks, the glass shatters, the crowd goes nuts. It's like almost like Pavlovian kind of, yeah. Ah, like like Strange. is that the yeah. reaction you were going for? Same, same thing with Undertaker Bell. Well, in the whole, uh, you know, iconic intro sound thing, yeah, you're trying to c come up with something that is truly an ID for that person. Um, and, yeah, for the, for the guys that it works for, I mean, it's something I always tried to do because that's the – that's the whole point of the music. That was my job is to come up with music and sound that brands these characters, that that sort of burns these characters into your emotional soul because, and I'm sure it's probably something we're gonna get to eventually, but um, it's why I think all the current music for, uh, doesn't work because it doesn't again it's just it's exactly like scoring movies it in a story if you don't care about the character like if you don't care if they live or die then you'll never really be in the story you know you'll you you may sit through the film but it's like eh, you know it was okay and the guy dies at the end you know but, you know, for fans of Steve Austin, they're, they're truly pulling for him like a brother. Um, you know, it's an emotional attachment. And I think the music is largely responsible for that. It's uh, Music is such an emotional medium, and, and that's not me trying to take undue credit. I'm speaking to the power of music. When when music works, boy, it really works. Um, I totally you know, agree. People have experiences, you know, the 
song that's playing the first time you kiss a girl, the uh, music that coincidentally was playing when you found out your father died. You know, I mean, these events in life, you will never forget that piece of music. And if that music comes on the radio, you will be taken back to that moment in a millionth of a second. I mean, it's so, so true. It's it's an amazing process. And I think you're absolutely right on the money. It, it is a Pavlovian sort of still uh, not fully understood phenomena, but whatever is happening when our brains hear something and connect with a, an emotion and an event in our lives, it's, it's genuinely striking. It's crazy how much music can be, play a part in our lives. It's nuts. And like with wrestling, the perfect character, like Steve Austin, he's emotionally we're connected with him. We love him. But the music is such a big part of the package because when we hear the music, we get excited because he is about to come out. If somebody else came out, you'd be like, oh, it's Austin's music. It, you know what I mean? Like, but it, you associate him with the music and then you, your emotional response, you're invested in the guy. You love the guy. Give you another example. Of course, this is within the context. I'm, I'm a pretty sappy guy, but um, one time I had to score. I got asked to score a vignette, not a vignette. It was um, I don't. I think it was a cold open, maybe for a big pay per view. And you know, those things, or at least they used to be fairly long form, maybe two minutes. Yep. And our executive producer had come to me and basically being as kind as possible was saying like, this is horrible. And they've tried to put, you know, 50 different pieces of music to it from the library stuff to make it work. But you know, my fear is it's horrible, but unfortunately, the pay-per-view is tomorrow. So there's not time to completely cut a new package. Would you just try to see if you can do something with this? I understand if you come back and say this is not, it's not doable. It's so horrible, the cut. Um, not going to happen. So I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. So I, in cases like that, when I'm scoring something, you, you put it up on the screen and just playing piano, you're trying to find something, a, a, you know, a, a little connection, a, a voice that, oh, well, that kind of works, and then finds a little seed of something that works, and then you expand it. So I get set with my... Um, Actually, I was using a synthesizer that sort of has a synthesized orchestra. So kind of impressionistically get a sense of the whole orchestra as you're playing. Because I knew it would be an orchestral piece, orchestral score to the thing. I start playing, John. And this is five minutes after watching it again and saying, like, there is no hope. This is one of the worst edits I have ever seen. Across my studio. <laughs> I start playing something. And, you know, 
something's happening. About halfway through, I start crying. Whatever was going on, it just completely worked. Um, and that's the power of music and the mystery of it. And I'll add to that story. Um, I had a friend, really close friend at work. After watching it the first time, and he used to be an editor. So I called him and I said, hey, would you just take a look at this? I, you know, maybe it's not as bad as I'm thinking, but I'd like to get a second pair of eyes on it just to see what I'm up against here. He watches it. He says it's the worst edit I've ever seen. That I can't believe they're even wasting time asking you to try to save the thing that's not savable. So with and when I did this rough thing, I always recorded because a lot of times, you know, sometimes sorry, sometimes you do stuff and you forget and it, you know, it's like, oh, that was really cool, but you forgot what it was you did. So I had recorded it in sync with, as I played it, I called my friend back in and I said, okay, I feel free to say it's still the worst thing you've ever heard and seen, but, and he watched it and he goes, so that's a different cut, right? I said, no, exact same thing. He goes, no way. No way is that the same cut you just showed me. And that happened many, many times um, in my time there, where music is just so powerful. I mean, you have to find the right music, but uh, once you do, it's like, wow, it's suddenly something that you think there's just no heart and soul to it. And, and turns out there's tons of heart and soul in there. The power of the music there, big time. You completely yeah. change everybody's perception just by changing the music. Yeah, it's 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 a never-ending surprise to me. But yeah. but also the power of in that situation where you know I just suddenly am tearing up because it it goes from the worst thing I've ever seen to completely and utterly emotional, um, and nothing changed. Nothing changed with the cut. Nothing changed in the room. Nothing changed with me. And it's, I, you know, it's amazing. But somehow the whole business has lost track of that. It's all, it's just, all the music sounds the same. Yep. Uh, it, the, the music doesn't tell a story. It doesn't brand a character. It's just loud and busy and lots of sound effects. And I don't, I don't understand. Why do you think that is after all the success? I mean, they know the blueprint of the success with the music and the character and the package. Why do you think that is? Because you're so right. Current music, I don't know, like for the themes, you, you don't know which guy's coming out, which is a huge no-no because immediately you hear Warrior's song, you know Warriors come out. So you, you yeah, got excited. You in the kitchen cooking dinner and hear the TV in the next room and you go, oh, Warrior's coming out. Yeah. And now, good luck telling who, you know, determining who's coming out. So, um, John, I think it's, um, sadly, I think it's uh, 
big corporations, too much money. Uh, you know, they cut these big contracts that last for years and years. So things are guaranteed. So there's less incentive to, you know, there's more incentive to just deliver the show than there is necessarily to make the product great. You know, it seems to happen all the time that uh, corporations get really big and I, I hear it from many times from, from a lot of different people, the same basic comment, which is there is no way the CEO of this company ever actually use this product because you know he would immediately fire 20 people and say it took me 20 minutes to open the package are you kidding me you know and you know and i open it up and there are no instructions included no batteries included how is that possible you know what are we doing here uh, we used to be a great company and I, sadly, it just see unless there is real unbelievable leadership at the top, um, it just seems to happen to, it seems to be part of the whole corporate cycle. You know, they're, they're hungry as they're creating themselves. They know that the only way to break through is to have the best product and the best cut or, or, you know, uh, if you're a service organization, the best customer experience, or you have to deliver the goods. And, but then suddenly once you've made it and there's tons of money floating around and you're publicly traded and I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a bad dynamic. I see it a lot in so many corporations these days general quality and it and it's it also is what opens the door to other countries you know these days mainly china really having an impact on our economy because they are worker bees and they'll find a way to make it better and cheaper and then they send it back here and people buy it for sure Definitely. And with the, the theme songs, it definitely seems like a little bit of cutting corners on some of these guys. You know, very cookie cutter, very generic, like none of yeah. them are impactful. Not a good sign at all. Well, yes. And also part of it is um, the, the way music is created now, unfortunately, with, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, it's music has sadly become more assembled than composed you know it's like i'm gonna I, I grab these loops from this cd i bought and i got some cool guitar licks that, uh, from another cd and i can put them all together and kind of create this track and um that's that's not going to get it done i hey i'm old-fashioned but i guess but um i just don't think I think the results are obvious. To me, it's almost like they're sounds and it's not necessarily music. You know what I mean? It's just like very much the very just well, noise. You're just noise you're hearing. Yeah. Well, well said. Yes. That's what it sounds like to me. With that, though, it's organized. It's, yeah. Yep. 
But it's almost like you're not helping the characters or the wrestlers by doing that. It's almost hurting them in, in the long run. Could not possibly agree more. Yeah, I think it's so sad for the current crop of wrestlers because, every, you know, I hear it said, well, I'm not hanging around with people who watch too much wrestling, but when when I am or when I talk from someone I knew at the company, um, when I was there, they're sort of like, you know, I can't understand why we're not, you know, there are no stars anymore. There are no undertakers. There are no stone colds. To, um, and they're probably in there, but they're being held back because they're, you know, I like to remind people that before he was stone cold, he was ringmaster. And, um, you know, he didn't have a good character and it was, uh, I mean, I wrote the ringmaster theme, but it was, you know, one interesting thing about writing music, if if the character is lackluster, if the storyline is lackluster, if there's just kind of nothing dynamic about the person or their, their character as written, um, you, you can't overwrite the music and try to pull them up. It's it's a dance, you know. You, I could write the greatest theme in the world, but if that guy or that girl can't dance to that theme, it's got to be a partnership. You know, it, if if you gave Stone Cold's theme to a guy who couldn't do what Stone Cold can do with his attitude, with his acting ability with his uh, way to work an audience, um, it would almost become parody. It, it would almost become a, you know, a Gilbert type right. of where you're poking fun at this guy is not tough. And that's why we gave him the toughest theme to show how untough he is. You know, he's a wimp. And I think that's happening um, not as a conscious effort, but it's happening. And you, you, you're holding people back because they don't have a good story, they don't have a good character, and they don't have good music. And so, and making it worse, you have a bunch of guys in the same scenario, so they all become generic. It's just like generic wrestler one, generic wrestler two, and so, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what fixes that. Um, I mean, better music would certainly help fix it, but who knows at this point, because I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not there. So I don't know if the guys are constantly complaining and it's like, my character's going nowhere. These storylines stink. My music stinks. You know, I do know that in that world, generally speaking, if you complain too much, you can get yourself fired. Yeah. Particularly when you're just one of 20 generic wrestlers. Which they didn't help make ungeneric. You know? oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you can appear not that special in, yep. 
even though maybe you are the next Stone Cold or the next Rock. It's funny because I, I was thinking about Beyond the Mat, and you kind of do that with him, with Vader too. When you were talking about Vader, it's like okay, how would this guy walk? Like you know, like like we kind of we were talking about with Warrior. Like how do we make this like not generic and fit him? You know what I mean? It's just that was another perfectly done thing because it's like dun, dun, like the way Vader is. He's a beast. He's a monster he's from Boulder, Colorado. Just his song fit perfectly, which is so like not generic. Nobody else could have that theme. That's Vader's song. Yeah, whatever happened to him? He passed away, I want to say four years ago, I think it was. Really? Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, he had a, a lot of heart issues. Oh, really? Oh, geez. That's too bad. Yeah, it's um, it's tough on those guys' bodies. Holy crow. Yeah, and he was a big dude, you know, he's a big guy. Um, it's a it's a tough life on the road. And what those guys do in the ring is always knock me out when people would tell me, well, you know, it's, it's all fake. And I would just say like, look, you know, the ring bounces a little bit, but that's actually more for sound than it is. You know, it's definitely not a trampoline. I said, I'd be happy to go with you to a ring and no one will touch you. I just want you to fall down, just fall down, not, not let yourself down, just fall down. Let me know how it feels. Now imagine doing that off the off the post, doing a flip and land on your back. Or better yet, off the post, do a flip, land on your back, then have the next guy do the same and land on you. Yep. You know, it's Yes. Is it, is it scripted? Yes. Is it fake? It is not fake. No, there those guys are getting hurt. It's I always say to people, I'm like, why would they have broken necks? And, and, you know, yeah. it's like, it's legit. Come on. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's amazing athleticism. You know, so many times over the years there, we'd have NFL player or, visit or something because they're fans or nba guys and they'd all be always be curious about getting in the ring and you know jumping off a rope or something as soon as they got there they'd be like i'm not doing this <laughs> I'm, I'm not, i'll kill myself i was talking to one of the greatest mma fighters ever and he said to me i rather do mma than wrestling he said because he did some wrestling in Japan. This uh, Boss Rutan, just legendary fighter. He did some in Japan. He goes, oh, he goes. I don't want to do this. He goes. He's like, and even when I'm practicing the moves, I'm getting hurt. He's like, this is too much. I'm going back to MMA. I was like, wow, one of the like legit tough guys. He couldn't handle wrestling or didn't want to handle wrestling. Crazy. It's 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 a tough deal, and you got to really love it to to do it. But the guys get banged up for sure. But I don't I don't know if there's a way around it. No, definitely not. But with wrestling, you said you were never a fan, never got into it. So how back in basically the mid-80s do you get into WWF? And, you know, like how do you get in with Vince and work? Because you said you weren't a fan. You never watched. Uh, you uh, like sushi. Uh, I There really weren't. There was one sushi bar in the town I live in. Um, it had six seats. There, 
sushi was a completely unknown thing on the East Coast. It was known a little bit in L.A. at the time. I tried it in L.A., fell in love. So I was a regular at this place, but because there are only like five or six seats at this one little bar on the corner of a Japanese restaurant, which is otherwise all cooked food, um, it was it was like going to your regular Friday night bar in a little town bar, and you'd see the same people there all the time, a real yep. regulars hangout. I we. You'd occasionally chat with other people you'd see there. And and one guy that I chatted with came in one night and just said, like, hey, didn't you didn't you say that you write music or something about music? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, I um, I got asked by my boss to prepare a, a video presentation for a cable TV convention. And I can put the video together, but I have no idea how you put music to it. Uh, you know, would you be interested in helping out? And I did uh, put music on it. Vince heard it. Uh, I went with a guy to play it for Vince. Um, this was, you know, this was very soon after Vince bought the company from his dad. So he was, you know, it was a, a little suite of offices on one floor and his office was in one corner, Linda's was in another, and this friend of mine, Brian Penry's, was the art director, and he had an area. I mean, you know, it, was a, it wasn't like you walk into this place like, oh, my God, this is a big operation. You know, right. this is like a, a little tiny startup company. And uh, we played it for Vince. Loved the video, loved the music. He and I are chatting it up, and he said, what else do you do? And I probably lied through my teeth and said, oh, my God, anything, I, everything. <laughs> you name it, I do it. Um, so he asked me to do a few other things, and I did that, and then things quick, quickly, quickly, quickly turned into you know a 24-7 proposition. However, um, something I always liked and uh, was always honored by Vince, uh, never even questioned, uh, until the company went public many, many years later, Vince and I always operated on a handshake agreement. We never had anything on paper. And wow. um, huh. he always... Uh, treated me well and uh, honorably and uh, and both of us hated the idea because once they went public, the lawyers swoop in and it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? We, 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 we can't have this guy that's a pretty important piece of the puzzle and he could just walk out the door because somebody else gives him a better offer. You've got to get the guy under contract uh, so so yeah. from there on it became all business and um and you know it's as all businesses that go public it uh, that's when the politics start unfortunately were you, know, you and vince close at all though or, or friends or not really 
I think we were absolutely friends, you know, it's, but he's a, a difficult man to be friends with. I mean, first of all, he's being jerked around in 5,000 different directions. Um, and it's just not his way. And couple that with, uh, it's not my way to be casual friends. I, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of friends, but the friends I have are very close, uh, intimate friends. We, we know our lives. We support each other. We, we keep in touch and I just can't do the cocktail party talk or the tough guy friends where you're, uh, I don't know, where you, you you're not really in touch, but it's like, yeah, he's, John's my brother. Yeah. Yeah. When did you speak with him last? Eight years ago. You know, <laughs> right. Well, he's not a very close brother then. So, um, so I'm that way. Vince is, uh, well, Vince is a very emotional guy, but um, I, you know, I think it's a combination. It's really just not his way to have those kind of friendships and um, I don't know, it's also my observation in numerous experiences in my life, when people get really, really wealthy and really, really successful, they uh, get really, really guarded. Um, and I think part of that is logical and necessary. And I think part of it, it just goes with the success thing that uh, you're kind of playing the role in a way of, you know, I don't have time for this. You know, I'm only, I'm, I'm only operating at this level. I can't be down here, which is too bad because they miss a lot. So yes, um, at least from my perspective, uh, I absolutely think Vince and I were friends, but at the same time, um, I haven't seen him since, uh, since, uh, around Christmas, 2017. And we haven't spoken a word. So, and at the same time, if I ran into him, it probably, my, my guess would be that it'd be like nothing happened. Did you know he was retired? Yeah, I read the the papers. Okay, and, I wasn't because I know you you don't pay yeah. too much attention to wrestling. Yeah, okay. Yeah, who who knows what the hell's going on? You know, it's, the interesting thing about the world of wrestling is, um, you know, it's a it's a scripted thing, and there are lots of times that I had to question, you know, is this real life or is this scripted? I mean, where, where, where are we here? So I don't know, you know, it, it certainly sounds like, um, you know, he had a real problem going and uh, he had to leave. Right. But who knows, maybe, maybe it was uh, a way to retire and, 
pass the company on and I, you know, geez, John, it's, there are so many possibilities. It's also possible that the guy retired, but he's absolutely running the company every bit as much from a secret room in the basement, you know? Right. Who the hell knows? It's, it's a funny. bit of, it's a bit of a crazy world for sure. Yeah. It's funny though. The stock went up and the ratings went up. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's smart move to move along and, and because the business boomed after that. So maybe it was smart. Did it really? Yeah. The stock is up to, I think $76 way up from, I think it was at $60. And, wow. um, the ratings were a little bit up. I think it was like 2 million went to 2.2 million. And, and another show was basically 1.5, 1.6 went up to 2 million and kind of football's back. So it kind of sporadic, but they were doing a lot better. Yeah. Hey, maybe it was a move to boost the ratings. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> He, he knows what he's doing with him though. Is he the person that tells you like, Hey, here's a responsibility. You got to create all these legendary theme songs. Or is that like a Kevin Dunn or somebody else? Like who kind of tells you like, by the way, we got this new guy, the undertaker needs an entrance team. Like how does that process go? Kevin mainly was my conduit for information. And, um, but many, many times, I would meet with both of them and we'd be talking through characters. Um, it was, I liked when it was Vince because uh, Vince and I connected on an emotional level where I, I could, I could feel, I felt, I could feel more easily um, rather than, trying to describe, it's very hard to describe music. You know, I mean, I can, I can say, John, you know, I, I really want you to write something that's uh, sad, but not too sad, but also has an element of danger. It's like, wow, you know, I could write you 30 different pieces that are sad with a little element of danger, but the range of those pieces would be really broad. Um, it's, it's more about, and a question I ask many times of a lot of people is, what do you want to feel when you hear this piece of music? With Vince, I could always feel it better. Just something about, I, th I think just that was the very positive wavelength that he and I were on, which is not to say that I couldn't feel it with Kevin, but... Um, just a little bit less so. With guys like The Undertaker, for instance, it's just one of those themes, like you said before, you hear the the gong, if you will, then you hear the song. But man, it just fit him perfectly, but it is so legendary. Almost sometimes can give you like a goosebump feeling because you're like, whoa, this is eerie, especially when they do, when Kevin Dunn, you know, they do the lights and the production and stuff. But it's yeah. almost like you get like an eerie feeling, but it's like, man, this is so cool. It's, it's a weird kind of vibe, but it's like, wow, this guy, again, fits this song. When you hear it, you think of this giant, you know, redheaded man that's undead or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, that um, that was a lucky one. Wow. Um, it's, it's, and I think it's the, um, I don't know, the contrast or dichotomy. I don't quite know what the right word is because... It's, uh, 
you know, he's such a, a, a massive, uh, dark, uh, you know, mystical, ominous, dangerous character. Um, I, I always thought it was interesting that even when he was a, a complete baby face, there was there was something dark and like evil about him in a way that it was that that whole mystical thing really worked or or he made it work um you know he was he was never like a happy go lucky oh i'm the good guy i'm coming in to save the day it, there was always an element like you didn't quite know you know you had your hopes about what you thought thought was going to happen but you never really knew and the theme when I wrote it was just a uh, absolute gentle, I think beautiful child's theme. You know, not something that you think would go with a guy like Undertaker. And yet, as soon as I played it, that was one of those things is like, and that one I had difficulty coming up with something because um because he is such a mystery i mean he's you know i when i when i first saw a little bit of footage of him i he's a huge guy and he's dark and and you know the big long black leather jacket and uh the hat and you can't really see his face and He's got the dead guy or undead, whatever the heck that means. Um, so at first I'm thinking like, you know, big, powerful, you know, the bong, uh, power chords. And, and I thought it just cheapened him so bad. You know, it's like, that's not who this guy is. This guy is from a different place. This is this is just a an entirely different thing. He's not a wrestler. He's he's from a different world or something. And I kept plugging away, and then it came up with that little gentle theme. And as soon as I played it, I said, "Wow, that's so screwy!" But that's it. And so I knew it couldn't be the way I wrote it because that was just. Uh, on the piano, but um, so then I thought, okay, well, so then it's got to be on a gigantic church organ and, um, you know, with a choir and, and then after I wrote it, I needed something to start it off. And so thought of the bell and, uh, but, you know, how can I design a bell that sounds like the biggest bell in history and big, low bell? So it designed a bell sounds that fit. So. What an iconic song. I mean, still, I mean, he doesn't really wrestle anymore. He's retired. But when he does come out or do appearances stuff, you still have like that aura, that mystique, the theme just goes perfectly with him. It's crazy how perfect it fit. Does he? Is he still around? Is he still do shows? 
So he does this one man show, like when they're in town and they have like a big show, he'll do like a one man show where he's kind of telling stories and stuff, but he doesn't wrestle anymore. He retired, I think it was two years ago at WrestleMania. But does he ever come out to the ring anymore? Uh, I'm trying to remember the last honor, the hall of fame last year when he Uh, came out, they had hit, they did the whole thing. You know, he came out with the hat and everything and they lowered the, the, delight and so he did he did it and he came through because there's a bunch of wrestlers he came through the wrestlers and out it was cool very cool but of course you know they played his theme song and yeah. it just and then then he took off the jacket and the hat and he was wearing rather regular you know nice suit or whatever but yeah, yeah he basically did did the whole gimmick oh well yeah it's um you know we used to have discussions that not a lot I guess it'd probably be more I had discussions and maybe this is a reflection of, I'm not really a pro wrestling fan, but that one of the difficulties I always thought with the whole product was what's most exciting is the guys coming out and the, the entrances and, yes. um, and unfortunately when you bring up the lights and now it's wrestling, it it gets hard because there aren't that many guys who are so acrobatic that you know they can do things that are so stunning that you go like, oh my god, that's the most amazing thing I've I've ever seen. Um, so it's it it's all about the stories and the characters. And yet, the in the most bizarre way, the the lion's share of your product is guys wrestling, which is not all that compelling. And quickly, people you can feel in the crowd, or I used to feel it, that they're looking forward to who's going to be the next person coming out. Yep, that theme and that entrance—that's so key. You know, the lights so vital. Yep. All the noise and yeah. That production, yeah. As we hit the wind down here, we t- head towards the finish. Just a couple of quick hitters. Do you have a favorite theme that you've created? I don't, John. I, there, there's so many. There, there are so many. And, you know, I guess it's like any other music. It's If you ask me what my favorite song to listen to in the car is, it's going to change every other day. You know, so um, probably most of the ones that you and everybody likes or, you know, I've I've got a a few um, probably wild cards that just for some bizarre reason I get a kick out of. you know, sort of lesser known things. Survivor Series Deadly Game for me. That's one of the weird ones that I love. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Love that. And just, I don't know, like I could, it's one of those like wrestling themes. Sometimes you can't listen to it. I could actually listen to that like away from wrestling. Like, I don't know. I, I just love that song. It's, I, it's so catchy to me. I just like well, it. Well, and I didn't, um, that's, that's uh i love to hear you say that um and it's astute of you to say that because i didn't write it for wrestling i um just something came up for a 
pay-per-view uh, a request and I remembered that song and I said like this might work and they said that works so that. yeah yeah I love that song and it's it's definitely one of those songs uh, there's this dynamic after you write something or I, I I've spoken with other writers where this is the same dynamic for them as well. And I've certainly uh, read about many composers that have the same dynamic is after you're done with something there, it's sort of like, it's a child it has been born and, um, and it, it's out there now. And when you hear it, it's like you hear it like everybody else. There's not, you don't hear it with ownership attached. It's not like you, it's not like I listen to Deadly Game and go like, oh my God, boy, Jim, you nailed it on that one. You know, that's a great song. Good job. It's just like, I really love this song. Yep. With, with no, no connection to having been the writer of it. It's great. It's amazing dynamic because you could, I've had it happen where I've been in an arena, hear something play, start to play, someone come out to the ring and say like, that sounds really cool. Whose music is that? You know, I'm almost a little threatened, like, where did this come from? You know, and yeah. then it takes me about 30 seconds to go, oh, Oh, that's that's yours, <laughs> right? And but at first, it it doesn't register at all. Crazy. Frank. Two parter for me here. Should you right. be in the Hall of Fame? I'll answer that part. Yes. Second part. Would you want to be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, that's a tough one, John. You know, it's there. You know, life is a little weird in that. Um, though we would like to, uh, oftentimes when things happen, you can't really take them back. They, the fact is they happened. And um, some things happened towards the end of my time there and uh, basically getting dumped by Vince you know, that hurt. And so somehow going back in and being in the Hall of Fame, you know, I'm of two minds. Is It's like on one hand, relative to other people who've gotten into the Hall of Fame, it seems pretty weird that I haven't been asked. Yep. And at the same time, um, I know the way I feel about it, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, for whatever reasons that I would think would be pretty bizarre, but that there's no explaining the way people feel. They could have decided, like, well, no, I'm, we're not letting that son of a bitch in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Right. You know, but for whatever reason, I haven't been asked, so... Weird. 
Yep. It, it's a, it's, that's a weird thing. I mean, even if they asked and I said no, and, and I'm not in the least um, saying that or suggesting that is like, oh, that would be my goal. I, I want to be asked so I can say no. You know, that would be my way of getting back at them. That's not it in the least. It, it's, you know, they're just along the way, there certainly have been people who have been asked and entered that I thought like, wow, that's, they're in the hall of fame. I mean, that you sort of uh, bring down the credibility of, I mean, the hall of fame should be hard to get into. Yep. You know, and, and so that in the future, anyone who does get asked, it has meaning, you know, it really has meaning. So. I don't know. That's it's an interesting question. What do you think is kind of your legacy? Because obviously you had over 10,000 pieces of music written. I mean, legend, all these awesome theme songs. You've worked with legends. What do you think is like a legacy? If somebody said years from now, like, oh, Jim Johnston, what, what do you want them to think of? And, and what do you think that your stamp will be that you left behind? Uh well, I certainly hope um, a good composer <laughs> shows up in that list. Right. Um, I, I guess, John, things that are important for me are that the that the people I worked with. Um, have a memory of me like he was a good guy you know he he always treated people politely and respectfully and um you know was not a arrogant conceited idiot walking around the facility like he owned the place so the that tends to be uh, much more of what drives me in my life than um other what I would consider more superficial stuff. Before. I hope, I, you know, I hope I, people uh, remember those times uh, really as happy times, fun, and that, the, that, uh, that I brought a lot of people a lot of enjoyment. That would be good. Yeah, because if you think about it, you're tied into some of those huge names that we just mentioned and that's an emotional response i mean and people think of it and it's it's like a good feeling you know what i mean it's just like wow as soon as you hear that song you're like it could bring you back to you know wrestlemania or or you know hanging out with your dad and and, and your yeah. friends or whatever i mean it, it it to me it's one of those things like oh that was awesome like just thinking about steve austin's music hits and having that reaction but you are kind of you know the guy partially responsible for that reaction obviously a lot to do with steve too but you know you're partially responsible for those reactions yeah yeah well i appreciate that and i was glad to be part of it particularly with with some of the guys and steve certainly one uh who was always uh, just a real straight up guy with me very gracious um creatively sharing when we did a few 
projects together, um, always incredibly uh, gracious and, um, you know, thanked me for writing his music and knows what the contribution was. So I can't say enough good stuff about him. And Mark too, Undertaker. Um, interestingly, it's not a long list. Um, you know, and maybe that's maybe that's a function of the, the whole being a pro wrestler thing is that you have to be so in your own world, in your own head, and kind of believing this character and believing I'm the most, I'm the coolest guy in the world, I'm the most powerful guy in the world. I don't know, maybe there's an aspect to it that's like uh, method acting and, and the, but I know there's something in that culture where there's this, uh, there's this power thing where you don't want to give your power away and to do things like say, thank you, or be gracious is to give up your power. And uh, I happen to be someone who thinks that's one of the most ludicrous concepts that's ever been devised because it, I think it's the opposite. So before we let you go, though, yeah. is there any social media, any plugs you wanted to get out there? I don't know if you do much of that, but... Um... I don't really. I don't. Um, I'm redoing my website, and uh, and when it comes back up, which will probably be in about uh, two weeks, um, I'm going to have some new music on there, and it's, uh, I guess, I'd love people to listen to it, listen with an open mind, because, you know, for the most part, they're definitely not entrance themes. Uh, it's a different kind of yeah. thing. Um, but I'd love to know what people think. All right, Jim, thank you so much for all time today. It was an honor for me. Really appreciate all the time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been good. It's been fun. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.
Too many judges say what's right or wrong Let them jump into the fire If they want to Straight away to uh. the terms 